<laughs> Welcome to The Hustle, a podcast about building great digital products and design culture. Um, I'm Anthony. I'm here today with Rick, Hello. co-host, and a special guest, Ryan Rumsey, uh, a friend of mine that I've seen more uh, of since he moved to Switzerland than when he lived in Austin. <laughs> it's true. Wow. <laughs> um, Ryan is here today uh, as he's in the process of moving back to Austin. Um, wanted to see if we could get together and talk about some things. So he's visiting the studio and uh, we're going to have some pretty interesting things to talk about today. Yeah, I'm interested to hear. Maybe you could give everybody just a little bit about you. I know you work at EA. Sure. And you're yeah. friends with Anthony. And that's about all. <laughs> yeah, so maybe a little bit of background. So, yes, I do work for Electronic Arts, a video game company. Um, I'm not involved in video games at all, really. Um, I'm the new director of experience design for EAIT. So EAIT is responsible for anything for calendar, phone calls, VidCon to sales analytics platforms, you know, big sort of scalable projects across multiple teams. Um, I'm the first designer ever in EAIT, let alone starting a design practice so uh it's a new venture this is my second time being at electronic arts um so i'm happy to be back nice so do you um like the the it involved with with that we were talking earlier just kind of like mentioning a few things that a lot of um basically the design that you're doing is sort of for like internal things right, for, right. for them. Right. So, yeah, that's been the majority of my career, actually. I've, I've spent the last 10 years doing, I think, what is now coined as Enterprise UX, ah. where um, all of my customers are my colleagues. Wow. Uh, um, all of my clients are like what we call stakeholders or sponsors. Uh, so those are other uh, uh, organizations inside of EA who need tools, services, products for them to be able to work more efficiently, uh, more consistently, these types of things. And that sounds pretty similar to your what you were doing at Apple pre- previously. Yeah. So I, I worked for AppleCare for many years. And so uh, within AppleCare, you have, uh, so if you buy AppleCare for your phone and you have to ever contact AppleCare, uh, the agents that handle your calls use tools, products ah, yeah. uh, to handle those calls. And so... Right. I was on the team that was responsible for building the tools that they would be able to provide quality service to you. That's cool. It's it's Apple building tools for Apple. Yeah, it's crazy because only only a small percentage of people will ever see or use those ever tools. Even yeah. see and yeah. and e- even other design teams at Apple didn't even know we were doing that. Didn't know we existed. Right. Not not to get too too caught up on this, but yeah. I'm just sort of intrigued. Like uh, you know, Apple has obviously everyone knows like. A, under the wraps like design philosophy that's super you know um but a lot of people don't know about it um i was i was just curious was any of that sort of carry over to your team even though it was just for internal yeah yeah absolutely so we had the hci guidelines we we had all that we had uh people at apple building javascript frameworks and libraries before they were really around that Ah. we could take advantage of um, That's cool. Um, and, and sort of holistically at that, that level of design, we had a lot of the same rigor and attention applied even to internal tools. So our customers and clients, even though it was their internal tool, still expected that same 
high quality sure. product experience because yeah. we were Apple. Why wouldn't you? I mean, in some ways, I, I suppose the um, bar might even be higher. You know, there's consumer facing, but then there's like, yeah. <laughs> this is for people that and, are. And we, we talked about this, I think, last week, yeah. Anthony, that, that we were provided conditions and constraints that actually allowed us to really flex our muscle. So mm. internally, everybody uses a Mac. Uh, everybody only uses Safari. Um, and so you had the advantage, you know, in 2007 of not having to worry about Firefox or Chrome. Chrome <laughs> oh, was wow, even that's yet. awesome. Or yeah. IE. Oh, man, yeah, that was still a big major thing. Like, yeah. you don't have to worry about PC users at all or... <laughs> yeah. Didn't have to worry about... The, and that included, you know, we would use outside uh, uh-huh. companies that we essentially contract out. They were required to use Macs. Wow. So, you know, I was using nightly WebKit builds just to play around and see what we can use, like using Flexbox, I think, in oh, Flexbox. 2009 yeah. when it came out. Yeah, you know, yeah. like, so it was totally, totally a prototype, but we were playing around with it just to see what it could yeah, do. Yeah, back then, stuff like that for web designers was like, oh, one day I can use this. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> it's just too, uh, not yet. Um, but anyway, um, that's that's cool man that's interesting i was just thinking about um kind of the a little like exchange we had this morning when you walked in we were talking about well we were talking about enterprise right and what it's like um working in these enterprise environments i don't really know what it's like to be on an internal team internal Mm -hmm. team uh at, at a big product um i really only started having um, experience working interfacing with uh, enterprise companies when I started working with fun size because we got a couple contracts with some inter- enterprise companies mm-hmm. it was like 50% it still is right like 50% um, kind of early stage startups that were trying to help get off the ground and then the other 50% had been like some of these uh, enterprise contracts and um, I, I kind of learned um, what it was like to sort of um, try and sell your designs, not necessarily for uh, the use cases or the users specifically, but more to people. Right. <laughs> and, you know, <clears throat> we had we had recently done uh, a project with a client that it was mostly like the focus was just to kind of present to specific, you know, executives. So um, that whole conversation um was sort of uh, rooted with a conversation i was having with anthony recently about selling your designs and learning how to be good at that and um he brought up to me your your article that you had written um Mm. and i and i read through it it was really it was really compelling and interesting and it was about um well it was about i liked the i guess it's not the title right but um letting others have the art of letting others have your yeah. way. Have I mean, your way. And this really resonated with me, by the way, because I've spent in the last 17 years of my career, the majority of that has been like leading teams. Yeah. So I almost never am able to take credit for any outcomes of the project work um, because I'm contributing things that aren't like pixels. Mm-hmm. I'm contributing like the ideas and the motivation and inspiring the muse, if you will, to inspire people to push in this direction. And, um, it's one of those things like you, uh, as a leader, you have to be willing to 
you have to find ways to do this, right? Because you have to you have to sell your ideas to your own internal team. Mm-hmm. You have to make your at some points of time, whether your clients are internal, external, you have to make them believe like it was their idea. Yeah, yeah. Because if it's their idea, then they're they 100 percent support it and will defend it. And um, and it, you know, it's just one of these things. Like you know, even even at the basic level of you know being a designer, a visual yeah, yeah. communicator, like it's. And actually, the, really that, that line, I didn't come up with that. That was somebody who was helping me, a mentor, mm-hmm. where I was struggling um, a bit working with a specific client where they didn't necessarily care about the, the data that I had to present them or the costs that were going into it. They just believed they mm-hmm. were right. Mm-hmm. And what typically never goes right with a client or a stakeholder like that is telling them they're wrong. Right. They're just they're, like, they're I'm right. Do, right. That's the way you, it you is. Can, so. You can spend uh, a lot of time and energy going through those motions. And I did. I certainly did. Mm-hmm. You know, just going, well, here's the data. It's telling mm-hmm. you we're doing it the right way. And so um, there's a, an old trick. So this is a little bit of trivia. I used to be a professional actor. Uh, so I lived out in LA and, and was designing, I was designing on the side so that I could support my life as a professional actor. Wow. So I was a- acting between 2000, 2003. And, um, I took a bunch of improv classes. And so now it's a well-known technique. There's this technique called yes. And you may have heard of it before. Okay. Where the scenario in, in comedy and improv is basically whatever somebody says before you, you have to accept it. Ah, you just roll with it. You roll with it, and then you say, and, and you add Uh on to it. Uh Uh-huh, okay. And so... What's um, an, like, can we go through an example of that? Sure, sure. Um, um, Chickens love submarines. Yes, and I also love hamburgers. Sure. I don't know. (laughs) (laughs) But typically, typically you want to take that, yes, and... Uh, chickens aren't good drivers. Yeah, you know, go so along you, you with chickens. <laughs> right, okay, right. and okay, so, stick with the. Fl- okay, so <laughs> taking that back, that simple approach, and going to, uh, uh, and I think this has been written about in design as well a few times. I've read read articles about it, but I just knew it because that was a technique. So um, when dealing with a client and they say, you know, this is how such and such does it whether it's relevant to their product or not. This is how such and such does it. We should do it that way. So Facebook does it. <laughs> yeah, or Amazon or yeah. whatnot. Um, I think the particular conversation was, um, this is what happens when I buy a refrigerator on Amazon. Mm. And we weren't making or oh. selling or building <laughs> refrigerators. So I just had to go, okay, yeah, okay, great. I, I hear you. Um, so let me think about this and I'll come uh-huh. back. Because in the heat of the moment, you're you're wanna gonna be like, telling somebody that they're wrong or that's yeah. insane or whatnot. Yeah. So the idea was to go, yes, and I'm going to take some time and come back to you. And then coming back to them, knowing that what they want is sort of that credit, um, yeah. saying things like, hey, you remember that conversation we had? Um, that really inspired me. That got me to thinking about what you said. And with that, I created this. What mm-hmm. do you think? Mm-hmm. And it may have been exactly what I was trying to get to in the first place. Yeah, but it might have been the same design I'm, or same right, strategy. I'm yeah. handing it over to them. It, it kind of goes yeah. along the, the lines of um, if, if anybody's ever had to create a logo and been along that biggest logo yeah. ever exercise where designers started making the preferred size logo, the biggest logo they would present. 
knowing that the client would always select the biggest one. Mm-hmm. So it's those things of, of just, it, it's not really design exercise, but it's knowing how to get your designs, which are going to be beneficial for your client, mm-hmm. um, knowing almost how their personality, their character is to, to get that through. Right. It's almost like if someone's going to be a blocker by like a character flaw, this right. is like a, <laughs> this is like a right. uh, maneuver. Uh, right. to, uh, this is a spin move. Right. Right. And, and you know, they're, Techniques like that when, when they're devil's advocates in the room, you know, mm-hmm. how to, to talk to them yeah. to, you know, typically they'll bring up a scenario that will never happen. And, no. and so, you know, <laughs> you know, well, what if, what if Niagara Falls floods and Texas is, uh, you know, out of the map or something, you know, yeah. s- just scenarios that never happen Yeah, hmm. and say, That's yeah, we can think about that. Let's. I, I agree that that can happen. Yeah. My, yeah. my whole life is like my professional life are full of these kinds of things. Like, um, I, I have to do deal with this and dealing with the clients that mm-hmm. I'm managing. Um, I have to think about these things with the teams that I'm working with. And then probably the biggest client or stakeholder that I have is every employee of the company. Yeah. Right. So like, that's probably the hardest thing. Yeah. Um, but you know, I've had to use like tactics like this, you know, to do certain things like not doing client work on Fridays. Yeah. Yeah. Like I had to, like I, you know, I personally didn't want to work on Fridays, So I kind of talked to a couple people. I said, what if we didn't work on Fridays till the point where like everyone's talking about it and you're like, are you ready to do this? Yep. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> well, you know, it, there, there's sort of like a tone with this subject matter that we're discussing right now. That sounds like that's really manipulative or it's, you know, it's <laughs> like that, that's really like, you're, you're not, uh, honest person if you if you do that but um i think i think like the more i think about it the more it's like just consider the person that you're talking right. to and and like what their mindset is because if you just react you know without <clears throat> you know you're just like might as well be shouting to a wall because right. you're not like being conducive to like what's coming at you at that moment yeah and, yeah and typically uh people who say those things are not the people that are actually going to be using a product or service mm. or, or going through the pain. So, you know, knowing the, the sort of the users and, and having empathy for them, even telling the stakeholder or the client that your users don't feel this way, isn't really going to necessarily always resonate with them. Right. So yes, I, I, I have heard that word manipulation before, but uh, I don't necessarily see it that way because I'm not I'm not using it for bad. I'm not using it for my best interest to you know screw them or yeah. anything or or a political device that then I become more mm-hmm. powerful than House they. of Cards type. Right, right. I, I'm I know what um, the the business outcomes that they want, mm-hmm. and if they're getting in the way of their own business outcome. Yeah. Um, what's what's going to happen if we then get to a product rollout and they're not getting the business outcome? Yeah. They're not going to blame themselves, right? You might yeah, be that's better you know. phrase is persuasion, or or, sure. or even better than that, consensus building, right? It, I mean, in, in enterprise, I think they call it customer relationship management. You know, there's a <laughs> <laughs> yeah that that sounds enterprising. Yeah, yeah, for sure. Yeah. I thought that's a tool you use yeah, to yeah. manage your clients. Well, yeah. the the other thing is that you know if you don't learn how to be conducive, like, and responsive, you know, at, like moving with it, you know, rolling with these things right. that these curveballs that come at you, 
you know, you're going to get steamrolled a lot of times and that is going to affect the overall like sure. output of the product. You know, it's, it's, it, you know, you have to sort of be defensive and de- like be a, a defender of yeah. like these things that you believe in. And you know, what happens, you know, typically in my experience, people who are sort of coming at you and saying, I'm right, you're wrong. These mm-hmm. types of things, they tend to be some of the more powerful people. Mm-hmm. in their organizations sure. you know that they do get things done and so that's maybe where they're coming from so if you then find a way to get them that first product out and it delivers the business outcome they want suddenly they become your massive advocate oh. and suddenly they're like he gets things done i'm <clears throat> now going to listen to him yeah i like um, it because it's just not like a gut like immediate reaction like emotions are going to hit you first when yeah. you're you know brought into these situations well you don't like my idea you know whatever you know but if you're just sort of like a little bit like calmer about it yeah. um you can sort of like evaluate it a little more more objectively and uh um i think part of that article as well i think i said just shut up just don't talk <laughs> you know yeah. just let let it go and mm-hmm. you know because especially when i was younger your first reaction is just to react right or to go do or to go build and not sort of take that moment to process mm-hmm. and that's big that doesn't necessarily work out that mm-hmm. that sort of initial thing mm-hmm. you, it's your gut reaction you're probably right but if you mm-hmm. just don't say anything and you actually just consider a oh, great great thank you for the feedback let, let me have a uh, i'll consider that and i'll get back to you yeah. Or, or saying things like, I, I don't know the answer right way. Let me go to investigate. I'll come back to you. Mm. Mike Montiero talks mm-hmm. a lot about these things of, you know, um, discussions where, you know, why'd you make it pink? I hate pink, mm-hmm. you know, and then being able to say, okay, well, let's consider that and coming back to them and say, well, we, we can make it pink. Uh, but our, our testing with blue indicates that you're getting 40% better output, um, we'd be happy to make that pink, you know, uh, um, that's no problem. It'll take two extra weeks of, uh, testing, uh, two more weeks of development and another week to roll that out, which will cost you this much. And suddenly you get into words that people really care about, which money time, mm-hmm. yep. that's where you'd be able, you know, and suddenly m- most of the time they start to let that go. Mm-hmm. That's their, their subjective feeling about color, uh, and, yeah, they realize that they're right. Yeah. So, what, what about other scenarios? Um, kind of piggyback off of that. Like, sure. uh, let's say the three of us are a team, right? Mm-hmm. And we we have to um, we have to be ca- we have to be cautious of the things that we we're just talking about in terms of how we're dealing selling our work and getting client approval. Yeah. But how do we like how do we take these same principles and work together to create a a vision that we all believe in? Right. And, so principles are uh, a really really good word. Um, I think um, principles are uncovered, not necessarily developed. And, and so a lot of where I've been going in my career is more towards the design strategy, like mm-hmm. being consistent that even as an internal team, you may do your own workshop to say, make sure that we're all on the same page, make sure we're speaking from the same voice and doing structured activity to, to get that out. You know, this is where you get into your typical post-its, uh, uh, affinity diagramming, even for an internal team to sort of say, where do we stand from, hmm. uh, when it comes to this project so that when we are going out and talking to various customers, we're not talking on top of each other or contradicting each other. 
that's uh, yeah that's really good and, and principles are certainly a good way to have that like if you if i tell my team i'm going to um you know annually uh, when we do our, our reviews look at principles and ask you about principles when you apply them to projects if you're not following principles that's when i'll get mad but yeah. if or you know not mad but you know that's when i'll i'll have some you'll harsh take issue feedback, yeah. right but if you're following principles but then still making decisions that are slightly different but they are, are applied to the principles Applied. then it's okay yeah. right it's, that's, that's so you awesome. also have to sell the principles right right, right. like you're like you'll say if our if, if we have 10 company principles and one of those is transparency yeah um who like i mean there's really only two ways you do that you say i'm the i'm the owner of this project or this company and these are my principles you will follow them or hey yeah, I think yeah. one of our principles should be right. like working really fast and sharing work early and often instead of like right. doing the whole, you know, it, you know, that is an example of also something that has. So, yeah, the, you know, the reality in my job is I always need somebody above me who supports that. Yeah. And that's, what yeah, what I true. need from them and when I go and interview for a job like when I was coming back to EA is those are the things I'm looking for and asking about is yeah. if we establish these, um, this is the framework upon which they'll be applied. All I need you to say is use the principles mm-hmm. and, and make sure everybody's just on the same page. You know, there's an interesting thing about creativity is if not, if you don't have any sort of structure or even a little boundary or framework about that, you, you don't know where to put your creativity. And that makes for very dispersed sort of shotgun approach. And, and you end up focusing on things that might not actually need creativity. Yeah. You know, uh, um, that's where the, the development of UI frameworks or uh, 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 design language, that's where it becomes powerful. And for my particular job, that becomes fundamentally more important than, say, fine-tuned pixel perfect things Mm -hmm. because um i'm in an organization where i think there are about 350 engineers to one of me oh my gosh Um, and then the larger organization is about 700 people so that's program managers project managers these types uh, of people as well i'm never going to be involved in any project and so having frameworks of design i can then hand over to somebody and essentially uh, uh, apply design methodology even if I'm not there yeah. or my team isn't there. It becomes a tool. You hand them the tool. Right, right. Yeah. And so the principles are use the framework first. Mm-hmm. That right. kind of thing. Yeah. Yeah, that's cool. Wow, that's that's awesome. I think that, yeah, yeah that that, that kind of cuts at the heart of what I was hoping we could kind of kind of yeah. touch on a little bit. It's been a, an interesting uh, thought, you know, for us too internally. Because um, some of the things you're saying about principles, um, working in an enterprise, you need to make sure that you said someone above you, you know, is sort of aligned with that principle. Mm -hmm. Um, In the situation we're in, where we're basically a product design company that does services for products, um, we need to make sure that our clients are at least agreeing with those same principles if we have that off yeah um then it's going to be a constant struggle right so how do you how do you uh, do you start off a client relationship with any type of 
kickoff workshop or, or, you know, structured activity mm-hmm. where within that you're essentially saying this is how we work. So we, not yet, but okay. we're, I think we're close to that. Yeah. I, I did a workshop on, you know, design sprints, you know, covering yeah, yeah. two different design sprints. And from that exercise of creating that workshop, my wife and I, who's my business partner, we created a game that yeah, is, great. is basically shows people that, okay, you have three sprints. You're trying to create this product. You're not going to be able to get all of it done. And it's an activity. Yeah. And it's something that, um, I've been trying really hard to influence Mm-hmm. if you will, our project managers to take this and use it as the way to kick off a project instead of the first meeting being like a formal business meeting. Yeah. Um, this is an area where my influences fail to like really um, affect, affect change. And, right, right. and I'm, you know, onboarding in the first time experience working with um, with a client is really important in my opinion. And I would really prefer that it's something more, creative and fun than, yeah. than like going over a schedule or right, right. an creative, SOW creative and fun, but has structure. Yeah. But yeah. I also yeah. don't want, I want to step, I want to be out of the way. You know, I want to let our teams yeah. figure it out themselves. I don't want to enforce these things. That's right. So I'm, so I'm hoping teams will start taking these things and right, right. You, you are there as the facilitator, right? Right. Not the participant. Yeah. Uh, and, well, I think too, like, you know, Anthony said, we don't have those things like in place, like exactly yet. And we kind of don't, but I think we're at the point of company, like we've been, we've been fun size has been around for basically like two years now. And we've been really fortunate enough to, you know, we've certainly sort of like curated the, the clients that we've, we've chosen to work with. Um, and we've had the great opportunity to work with people that were very like close on like vision with us. Mm-hmm. Uh, and that's gone really, really well. We've been very fortunate with that. But I think we're getting to the point as a company where we are trying to set those things up like, okay, now that we know what our principles are, let's see if we can figure out how to establish that like right out of the gate, you know, and in some sort of formalized, uh, you know, lead yeah. curation or something. Yeah. Yeah. Um, the, it's the same for us. Um, <clears throat> it, it essentially, um, because we have a very broad range of clients, you know, again, anybody from picking up a phone and, and having problems with their hardware or the software that's going into that phone versus somebody that walks into a conferencing room or somebody that's using, um, business intelligence analytics tools, these types of things right. that there's consistency that when each of these groups meet us, because often the stakeholders own several parts of those groups mm. that the, the pattern upon which we work is consistent. The outputs are different. The outcomes are different, but the patterns of work. So when you come meet us, we collect this uh, demand is what we call and then we have sort of a kickoff workshop to then Mm -hmm. put that into a project kind of thing so right establishing that is is almost like a post-mortem seeing what's been successful and just reapplying right establishing is is great and something that we hope to do but i think it's hard for us to sort of like set these rules in motion and be like this is the rule forever because the sort of saying that is saying like we know the answer 100%. Right. This works perfectly every time. Yeah. So, we, yeah, we definitely And, and that's to... for sure. There, There is no perfect. There is no forever. Right. So to be clear, the saying, um, when it's coming to principles or 
right. even frameworks of just Going saying back to the principles. just like product this is this is an evolutionary mm-hmm. process this is where we're at right now this is good enough for principles right now good. we may expand on them we may get rid of them we may change them uh, and cool. typically when things start not working that's when it's a time to look at back at your principles that's awesome Ryan thanks for walking us through that so th- um, uh, Ryan's article is called influence and design success the art of letting others have your way uh, check it out on medium uh, Ryan uh, how can our listeners connect with you yeah, so I'm on Twitter, just Ryan Rumsey. Uh, handle, uh, pretty easy. Uh, um, otherwise, Instagram. You gonna be starring in, in any new Broadway? Uh, <laughs> no, no, I, musicals or I, I um, gave that up a long time ago. Um, you can find me on a YouTube thing, but not by my name. Well, oh, we're we're gonna have to link that. <laughs> right. right. Uh, there, there may have been a. Yeah, well, I'll just say it. So, um, if you enjoy the music of Stained, oh, uh, you may find a video from two thousand one that uh, may or may not have my face. On. <laughs> awesome, man! Yeah, no. I, dude, it's getting real <laughs> right, here, right now. That's awesome. Uh, yeah, pretty embarrassing now. But <laughs> those are the days. Well, and if you want to write, you know, design team the musical, I'll work with you. <laughs> that would be fantastic, right? Yeah. I'd actually also like to take this opportunity to mention that Anthony is starting a band. Uh, if anybody is interested. Nice. Yeah. <laughs> no, oh, it's yeah. It's just real. That's, that's I, I know you yeah. had no idea I was going to bring that up, but because you said that, oh, I man. had to yeah. just... Yeah, yeah, I am trying to start a dirty, raw, crappy punk band. Fantastic. I don't really expect anyone to yeah. know how to play instruments. <laughs> no, nope. right. Just so, <laughs> like, Operation Ivy or uh, Face down, to Face? Several or, notches down. Yeah, okay. Op okay. Ivy might be face way to too face polished. Would be, yeah. Yeah, okay. like, yeah, there's a lot of things one that of my, One of my but, favorite bands uh, yeah. uh, a long time ago, yeah. I actually have, like, on a tab of my browser right now, like, a Face to Face t-shirt that I'm trying yeah. to buy. I've just been... I just. I mean, you know, go off the rails, but just real. I'm still very excited about that moment in music history. Yeah, yeah. and um, and people didn't care about you know fine tuning and no as no. much. You know, I, I, yeah, those were in university. I would I would be at three or four shows a week. Oh yeah, uh, you know, even even bands like Green Day were touring around in a um, old bookmobile. Do you know what a bookmobile is? Yeah, uh, I know what a bookmobile like is. The library bookmobile. That was <laughs> that was their touring bus. And, awesome. You know, pre-Dookie days kind of stuff. And, um, yeah. Sweet. I really like the turn that this whole thing just... Uh, yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> right. right. <laughs> That's awesome. Yeah. All right, cool. Well, I've embarrassed you both probably enough for today, <laughs> bringing up old stuff. But yeah, um, thank you very much, Ryan. And uh, if you're out there listening, um, check us out on iTunes. Uh, subscribe to what? Uh, so, uh, also last thing, um, I think this episode is going to conclude season one of the hustle podcast and Rick and I will be coming back in, um, you know, in a few weeks or so with a, a, a slightly different format with an all new recording room and some new ideas to talk about. So if, um, we're excited about that. Uh, and I'm stoked, touched. you know, I, I actually listen to the podcast while I'm commuting on a train in oh, Switzerland. No way. So it's it's made it over there. Whoa, that yeah, is crazy. So <laughs> thanks, thanks for having me. I'm, oh, I'm man. stoked to be coming back to Austin and, and being around this wonderful community. We, yeah, I'm we're happy that you're moving back, right? So. Yeah, I'll be back in, in October. That's so. awesome. Austin is going to be better for it. Okay, guys, <laughs> thank you very much. Yeah.
This episode is brought to you by Pear. Pear is a talent booking agency that allows any artist, regardless of demand, to independently book events through a clean and simple mobile application. The application encompasses every aspect of the booking process, integrating paperless contracts, electronic payments, and even calendar organization. Pear will diminish the unnecessary in order to increase the profitability and productivity of the artist. Find out more at pairbooking.com.